This is Caroline Granger. I play Mrs. Moskowitz, Hawk's mom on Cobra Kai, and you are listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter, and today's interview is with Caroline Granger, who you guys know as Eli's mom from season two of Cobra Kai. I sit with Caroline, and she talks about her journey from starting off in the psychology field, working as a makeup artist, and how she got into acting. She also shares her experience working on the film The Mule, directed by Clint Eastwood and working with Clint Eastwood, and obviously how she got on Cobra Kai. And this is our conversation. Hello. Hello, Caroline. Hi. Hi, it's Peter. Peter? Yeah. How are you doing this How are morning? You? <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, things can be better. You you know about the baby. Yes. Yes. Yeah. How's she doing? She's doing good. You know, just a little congested. Uh, I went out and purchased a humidifier last night. So I mm-hmm. I think I think she's doing well. She was just kind of tossing and turning over the night, you know, throughout the night. And uh, we have a little camera monitor thing, so we just keep an eye on her. Right. Oh well. Yeah. I know she's not quite a year old yet. Not quite. Not yet. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> What's her name? Penelope, and um, we call her Penny for short. Penny, that's adorable. Well, I yeah. Think she gets to feeling better when. Then. Hopefully you all won't get it. Hopefully get it not. Um, little Big Brother's got a bit of a dryness in his cough, you know, and uh-huh. I just dropped him off at school this morning. Seems to be okay. And then the other two big kids don't live here with us. Oh, wow. You've got a lot going on. I do. I got four <laughs> kids. <laughs> wow. Wow. I yeah. had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I really respect that. You're doing this wonderful Wonderful podcast, and then you got like a whole a whole crew of people. Yeah, I do. Uh, I have a team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, awesome. That. Wow. Do you have a? Yeah. Do you have any kids yourself? No, I don't. Just um, Eli, my son Hawk. Just your Eli, yeah, right? Right. No, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't have children. Um, you have a bird. I have a right. lot of friends. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I have a bird for a son. Yes, a very large one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's, that was amazing, you know, just preparing for that and um, not having children my own. But then, you know, Jacob made it super easy for me to be his mom. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty great. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Um, I obviously uh, asked you to come on to the pod so that way we can get to know uh, more about you. Um, I, I do have a quick question. I, I know this is kind of a... I, I didn't mention this because I only just thought about it, but um, the first time I reached out to you, you were actually in Portland. Yeah, I know. That's hilarious. We're on vacation? or Yeah, I went I went on a vacation. I had never been to Oregon before. I have a really, really good friend that lives in San Diego, and every year we try to get together and catch up because I used to live there. Yeah. And so this particular trip, her, her parents live in Vancouver, Washington. So we were um, 
we were trying to figure out a trip that would be fun. And she said, you know, they're so close to Portland. I'm like, I've never been to Portland. And we went in June. So that's when I think the Rose Festival is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It is the most glorious place. We were there for about a week and we hiked and we went through trails and it was relaxing and wonderful. And we got a good chance to catch up. And so it was so funny because I got your I got your Instagram message. I'm like, what? You live in Portland, too. And it, yeah. I think I got it after the fact. And I thought, well, that would have been perfect. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. <laughs> that I was there. Yeah. And you live there. So it was a great trip. It was beautiful. I, f- I forgot who it was because I try to follow everybody I can on Instagram that I know that's associated with the show. And uh, I believe somebody else that kind of works behind the scenes uh, also visited Oregon. I don't know if it was this summer or maybe uh, last year, but I, we're not really like, you know, a big secret or anything. But I, I think, you know, not enough people have come, you know, checked out our the nature, you know, the hikes and the, the mountains, the snowboarding and all that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Well, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed your time here and I uh, had pleasant things to 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 say and do around town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We took the um what's the name of the um the trolley or the the subway? What's it? I we took that like every day. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that was great. It was fascinating to me because we literally just would hop on. I'm like, do you have to pay for this? And it just there, it seemed very loose as far as the rules because oh, no. I think you have to tap your. <laughs> oh, okay. I think you have to tap your card, you know, when you enter in on the on the train. But I, I didn't see. know how to do that, so I think we rode free a couple of times. I'm like, is this? are we breaking the law right now? I'm not really sure. But yeah, it was just everybody was super nice and laid back. And and we got a chance to really to, um, you know, visit different areas. We went to the Japanese garden. garden. Yeah. Yes. That was really nice. And um, the weather was perfect. I was just so amazed at how green was just so wonderful. And April's her sister lives there. And she's like, if you ever want to move to the Northwest, you know, and I'm like, (laughs) Oh, it's super tempting. Yeah. <laughs> it was so so beautiful. See, I grew up in Portland, so I, I really didn't travel until uh, I enlisted into the military. And that's when I got to kind of okay. travel around the country a little bit more. Um, my first active duty station was in Kansas, and I'd never seen anything so flat before. Oh, yeah. I'm sure if you had not traveled that much and then yeah. you're used to Oregon, it's like, oh, there's not a whole lot of here yeah yeah definitely uh-huh. on the other side of the Rockies <laughs> yeah up, right I grew up in North Carolina and so I had the luxury of having the beach and then the mountains and I went to school in the mountains so that was I feel spoiled rotten um oh wow you know probably like you did yeah so I grew up in Charlotte and you know Charlotte's a big city but then every summer my family and I would go to the beach for a week because my father had a beach house his well his parents had a beach house And then my mom's parents had, um, they lived in the mountains. And so it was so great to be able to go to the beach and to the mountains. So when I spent some time living in Southern California, I felt like, oh, this makes a lot of sense for me because I've got the ocean and then I can literally go right up the road to the mountains. And so that was something that's always appealed to me, having a water source and then also having the mountains too. Um, That's what I grew up with. So that's what I got used to. You know, that's interesting that uh, you come from North Carolina because uh, off the top of my head, our two previous 
uh, interviewees, at, you know, also are from that uh, area. Susan Gallagher, who plays uh, Homeless Lynn, and then Hannah Keppel, who plays Moon, are both uh-huh. from North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually where I got started taking acting classes. There's a lot of great teachers, and I'm from Charlotte, and they, they have a lot of, of course, in Wilmington, a lot of film and, and TV is done there as well. I think, um, I can't think of the show off the top of my head, but that's where I got started. And it's just, it's a great, it's a great state and location for, for film. And um, yeah, a lot of people here in Atlanta are, are from Charlotte. And so when I mentioned the Queen City, people will say, oh, I know exactly. I know where Charlotte is. It's a great town. It's a great city. So yeah, it's cool. It's a small world for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to learn that I didn't realize how close they were until I started kind of interviewing people from the area and ultimately looking at, at a map. Uh, b- before you got into acting, you actually went to grad school for psych. Well, I got close. I got <laughs> I got into grad school for psychology. So okay. I had gone about my undergraduate in psych, and I've just always been fascinated by human behavior and why do what they do and it just made sense to me mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after that so I just started researching after college and got into school at University of San Diego to get my master's degree in higher education and I really really wanted to work in a university setting I loved the vibe of students and youth but my passion I loved psychology and I loved behavior and that appealed to me but my passion was really going into acting. And I think I just was under that assumption that I had to go do this thing that everybody else did was to go to college and then, you know, go on and get further education and then have a nine to five. But um, I took a film TV class uh, in Charlotte with the Film Actors Studio just for fun. It was just a fun thing that I wanted to do to see, just just get it out of my system more or less. And I, I went and took this uh, acting class and I fell in love and it just, it reminded me of when I was a little girl, I used to pretend like I would be on my rope swing or my, you know, swing set. And I would pretend that I was being filmed yeah. and I would talk to this imaginary camera and <laughs> I had imagined, you know, I, I would just like have these little monologues that I would do as a little girl. And I had an imaginary friend named Dana and she was always responsible, responsible for my room being a mess. And so my mom would come in my room and she would say, um, Caroline, this mess, what are we going to do about this? And I would say, Oh, well, Dana did it. So just all of those little creative things I found and rediscovered when I started taking acting classes. And shortly thereafter, I, well, my acting teacher asked me, said, are you sure that you want to go, to graduate school. And I said, well, no, I actually want to do this. And he said, you have an artist heart. I think you should go for it. So I totally switched gears and I had enrolled in everything. And I decided that since I was planning on going to San Diego anyway for school, I would just go and see what happened. And a lot of cool things happened after that were that really worked together for my good. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't go to graduate school. I did go to Southern California, but it was not for graduate school. It's for to take acting classes. LA was right up the road, so I figured I'm just going to figure this out and make it work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's not too far from, um, you know, from. Well, it's the same state, but uh, so Dana, she never followed you. 
No, she, well, she's always kind of been there. Um, so I don't know if she followed me. She's always just kind of been with me. Yeah. for sure. <laughs> it sounds like Dana was your drop dead Fred. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> for I those love that, that know that yeah, movie. <laughs> I, yeah. It's been a while, but yeah, Dana always has been with me. And, um, it's funny because, um, I remember one time it was a couple of Christmases ago, I was with my mom in the car and I was practicing some kind of monologue for a scene. And she was, you know, we were both on, I think we were going to a family reunion. So it was a long trip. And so I just started talking like, you know, to a person in front of me, she's like, who are you talking to? And I was like, well, I'm talking to Dana. And she cracked up. She's like, oh my gosh, that imaginary friend of yours. And um, yeah, so she's always kind of been with me for sure. Well, that's awesome. She knew about Dana because if, you know, one of my kids told me that they were talking to somebody with a name that I wasn't familiar with, I would have been a little scared, you know, that they were seeing apparitions or something. Uh Yeah. Right. Like with my psychology major, you definitely, it's like, are you seeing things that people don't see? Are you hearing things that other people don't hear? You know? <laughs> Caroline, let's talk right, about this right. Dana that, you, that you're uh, bringing up here. Um, that's that's yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, did you ever do like theater or any other acting classes like in high school prior to, you know, like um, like going to college and all that? No, I didn't. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah. I didn't. I I know it's, it's wild. I, I don't know. I just, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was pretty shy in high school and I was a cheerleader, which shocks most people. They're like, you were a cheerleader. I think I did it to be popular. I really do. I just wanted people to like me. So I was a cheerleader and I think it was more of the competitive aspect of cheerleading that appealed to me because we had a team that was, um, we would go to all the competitions and I really wanted to do it to be in a competitive sport. So we we cheered for soccer and basketball and football. And looking back, of course, you know, you go through these moments of revelation in your adult years. You're like, why did I do that? I did that to be popular. Um, but no, I did not. Um, I did not do acting in high school or theater. Um, in college, I was really absorbed with my psychology classes. But I do remember walking by the particular building where all of the theater kids would go. And I would look and I would go, huh? Hmm. Do I want to do that? And then I would just move on to my, to my psychology building. But yeah. And then I got into it later, but that was many years after I graduated from college. Well, well, uh, at uh, what point did you kind of teach yourself how to become a makeup artist? Makeup artistry. So that's a funny thing. Um, When, gosh, I was young. um, When my mom was allowing me to play with makeup, I was fascinated by it. And I just always wanted to, it's just that creativity, just some kind of outlet. So I would sit and make my face up. And if it was like a rainy day or something, I would just play with makeup and I would start making my own face. And sometimes I would be late for school a lot of times because I wanted to get it absolutely perfect. So this started, gosh, I was probably 12 years old and, um, Funny enough, when I moved to San Diego, and even before that, a lot of my friends that were getting married would ask me, well, can you do that for my wedding? I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, that would be great. So I would do the bride and then the bridesmaids. And it became one of these things where my friends were asking me to do this. And they're like, why don't you just do this for work as well? You know, as going at the point, at that point in time, I was planning on going to graduate school. So, um, well, actually before San Diego. But uh, I said, you know, that's a really good idea. I just did it for fun. I never thought about making it part of my work. And lo and behold, one day I decided to 
go talk to somebody at Estee Lauder counter. I said, I don't want to do counter work. I just would rather be a freelance artist. And they just hired me right on the spot. So that's been a nice way of making money. And it's fun. Like I really enjoy it. So in town, I do makeup for this headshot photographer. So it, it works. It's, oh, wow. it's something I really enjoy. And I like interacting. Yeah, I like interacting with the clients as well. And um, it's it's just something else creative that I can do. And it, it was never to make money. And acting was never to make money either. Of course, it's nice when you make the money, right? So, right. Um, yeah. But it wasn't something that, that I, I started to make money. It was just because I loved it. And I kind of feel like that's how you should go about life. Like, just enjoy what you do and do a really good job at it. And you never know what can happen. It's no, doors absolutely. start opening that you never, yeah, doors start opening that you never thought would open when you follow and you listen to your heart and what you really want. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why they have that expression. You know, you shoot your shot. You, you'll never know unless you just give give it a try. I mean, with this podcast alone, I, I think often people are like, well, how did they, you know, how did he get them? I mean, this and that. Well, I, I just asked, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes it's as right. simple as that. Right, right. Exactly. And, you know, I, I love what you're doing with the podcast. And I think it's so fun. And it just, I think I rented Karate Kid again, last <laughs> like a couple of weekends ago. I'm like, how fun is this? This is just a flashback of the 80s. And it just, it's so, it's just, I think it's great what you're doing. And, and if you never, if you never ask, you'll never know. And I'll, I mean, no is just no. Right. Um, but right. then you're going to get, you're going to get yeses too. So yeah, that's Absolutely. the kind of attitude I feel like you have to have for sure. You, you got to. Yeah. And, and, and thank you so much. You know, yeah, we, um, you know, really try, try really hard to kind of give, uh, the listeners what we want to hear ourselves as fans, you know, so yeah. And and where else are you going to get this type of content to learn about the the people that are on the show? Um, at the mm-hmm. time of this recording, you know, today they're actually releasing the season one and two DVD set, and you know, there's going to be some yeah, there's going to be some pretty awesome stuff on there, I'd imagine. But how many interviews will be on there? You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And I love it to really learn more about these individuals that play these characters and just that they're normal human beings just in everyday life that that have the same struggles and have a story and i i just i think it's really great to to learn about who you're talking to and who you're watching on tv it's you know some <laughs> people will say oh you're an actor that's so cool and i'm like yeah it's great i love it when i'm doing it it's it's awesome i i can't not do it and and kind of glorify it a lot of times it's it's not a glorious job i mean you know you're sitting and waiting around in a in a cold space or trying to stay as relaxed as possible when you're super excited and nervous all at the same time. But we do it because we love it. and and I would hope that all everyone that is in some type of creative art would, would say they do it because they love it. But that's what keeps us going. That's what keeps me going. I do it because I love it. And um it's not perfect. There's nothing perfect about it at all. Yeah, I think you have to have a passion. I know you have to have a passion. Yeah. To keep going. Um yeah, it's just a it's just a glorified job that really isn't <laughs> so. so you mentioned the difficulty of um the the work can you talk about the um you were in the play the cat on the hot tin roof what, what was the transition from doing theater and in, into acting into film acting yes film acting yes yeah well it was something i was doing at the same time um 
when I lived in Charlotte, this was probably about nine, eight, nine years ago, I was kind of in this in-between place. I had lived in San Diego and I was doing makeup artistry and I had an agent for acting and I was just kind of all over the map. So I went back to Charlotte to regroup. And at that particular time, they had a tax incentive for uh, projects in North Carolina. I knew that I wanted to continue doing film acting and I got an agent and then wanted to do to do some theater because I had not any at all. And so I just started auditioning for theater and did a couple of supporting roles like um, Edith Frank and Diary of Anne Frank. And then another role, um, minor role in a play called Walking Across Egypt. And then I just happened to hear from a mutual friend that they had an emergency casting for Maggie, the cat, who is the lead character. And it's, Every actress's dream to play this role. Maggie is a force to be reckoned with. It's just, it's a wonderful ride, um, so to speak. So um, they had pr- they had precast Maggie, and for whatever reasons, uh, this particular actress was not able to to play the role of Maggie anymore. Anyway, they had a, an emergency audition, and I got the part, and I was shocked, and I thought, oh my gosh, I just did this on a whim. Let's see what happens, and so. I was doing both at the same time. And what I found in playing this incredible role, I think it's the hardest and most exciting and exhilarating and challenging role I've ever had. Because if, if you've read the play, it's Maggie, all of act one, just chatter, 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 chatter <laughs> the entire time. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I remember I got the script or I had not read the whole play. And when I booked the role, I'm, of course, totally just over the moon. And then I open it up and I go, oh, my gosh, it's all me all the time. And I close it, I go, oh, my, what have I gotten myself into? And I remember my mom's words. She said, you're going to do it and you're going to do it well. She said, believe in yourself. You got this. And I pulled from all my resources and made it happen. So I wanted to share a little bit about that. Um, But doing that, it just. Knowing that I can pull that off, it just helps so much with confidence. And I found that I was, during that time, I was booking more film projects. So I think it's great to do both if you can. Um, it's, a, it's a luxury to be able to do both because so, both are so, uh, so demanding. But there, there's a different type of technicality in film, whereas with theater, you're there, it's live. You get one shot. And with, with film that you can cut and retake, but of course you want to give a hundred percent, but um, it's, it's just a different, it's just different altogether. So I think it's great to have both. And um, I would, I would love to be, that's my goal right now is actually to be doing this again. So. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine performing in front of all those people. And like you said, only getting one shot versus on film, you know, you get different takes. Well, with with my mm-hmm. podcast, you know, I can edit and and do all these things and post, but I've never done a live taping or anything like that. But I can't even imagine the pressure to be in front of people live and and not uh, you know kind of screw up. Uh, you were recently uh, in the Mule, and I, I didn't know this, you know, prior to uh, us talking. So you actually gave me a reason to watch the movie. It, it's something I wanted to watch. But speaking with you, I was like, oh, okay, well, there we go. I'll just add it up, you know, move it up to the top of my list, really. Uh, how did yeah. you uh, get attached to that project? That whole process was 
so it was magic. Um, I went into an, for an in-person for hot for 45 year old. Um, I went in and did an in-person audition and it went great and left and then forgot about it. I think about a month and a half later, I was actually hanging out with a friend of mine and we were working on a writing project and I get this pop-up in my email that says, you have an avail check. And I'm like, what for the mule with Clint Eastwood? Are you kidding me? So I'm freaking out and it's, you know, it's not a definite booking, but I was like, um, yes, I'm available. And then next thing I know, a week later, I, um, I'm working with Clint Eastwood. It was, it was magic. It's, uh, this is kind of a funny story. It's, it's so, it's, it's cool how this came about. I, um, I was sitting in the hotel room. They had this, they, they shot it in the Southern part of Atlanta. And I believe it was in, um, McDonough's maybe, but kind of south of the city. And they had taken this, this motel and made it look really Southwestern because the scene takes place in Arizona. And so it's just so cool how you can take a completely different place and setting and make it look completely different. And so they had it set up real Southwestern. We were sitting, I was sitting with the woman who did the scene with me in the hotel room. We were just chit chatting and talking. And all of a sudden I, I, I looked at her, I said, um, hold on one second. I felt this presence and I turned and looked to my right and about 15 feet away, Clint Eastwood was walking towards the room. And I just found that so amazing. His presence, you can just feel it. It's just, he's so much, I have so much respect for the man and I could just, I could feel him coming, walking towards the room and it wasn't intimidating. It was more like, there he is, like there is Clint Eastwood. And he walked into the room and he's he's quiet. He's, um, not showy, works very efficiently. He also directed the film and starred in it. And, and he sat down and introduced himself, which he didn't need to, but he did very proper. And, and we talked, I said, how do you do this? I mean, cause working those kinds of hours day in and day out is exhausting for anyone. But I, he said, well, I still get up. I, I, I work out, I try to swim um, and stay active. He was just so down to earth and easy to talk to. And the best part was that he said, we're just going to have fun. He said, we're just going to improvise. And so just, I had a moment kind of outside of my body where I was, I was thinking I am with the greatest of all time in doing this scene and I'm unbuttoning his shirt. (laughs) 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 I thought this is like a dream come true. And DP was great and came in and got a lot of close ups of us flirting and laughing and talking and it was just really easy to work with him and um, those scenes were cut it wasn't integral to the story but there is an exterior shot that you could see that was kept in the film um, from the point of view of a second story motel dancing Um, so our close-ups were cut but just the chance to be able to work with him it was it was excellent yeah, for, for those that haven't seen the movie, um, your character, uh, it's, it's a night where Clint, Clint Eastwood's character kind of stays, uh, the night at the hotel, uh, while he's on, on a little mm-hmm. trip. And, uh, he pays for you and another woman's, um, company. And you guys are kind of dancing in the hotel. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so did you guys, uh, how did, because in that scene, it goes from, night to day how how were they able to make that shot did you guys just kind of stay up and wait for the the sun to rise 
we filmed it at night. I think we did our scene probably around the 10 o'clock hour, maybe 11 o'clock. So no, we didn't have to wait until the morning. I think I wrapped at 1 a.m. But just the way that they lit it, these professionals are just like wizards. It's amazing how they can literally make, take a nighttime shot and then a daytime shot and do it all between the hours of like 9 and, and 11 p.m. So no, we, we, I was there. I got to set in the afternoon and then we shot it around 9 p.m. Oh, wow. I mean, if they can make people look older or younger nowadays, I'm sure they can make night look like day. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And, and you know, makeup and work kind of gave us some direction on looking like we had just, you know, the night after or the morning after rather. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, we didn't, we, we didn't have to wait. We didn't, it was great. They were, they worked really fast. Clint Eastwood works really quickly. It's like a two take deal and he's done ready to move on um but he's so quality that he knows exactly what he's doing and he's able to get the shots just you know right then and there he has a real vision for what he wants and the fact that i could walk into the situation and he said yeah we're just going to improvise and play and the fact that he trusted me to do that was uh it was it was really a great experience Oh, yeah. I, I can't even imagine. Well, when you said he just kind of walked <laughs> in and started introducing himself, I'm I'm, I'm picturing, oh, hi, I, I don't know if you know, but um, my name is Clint Eastwood. Uh, I've done a few movies. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> right. Just a few. Just a few. <laughs> just right, a few. Yeah. He was just, he was just, yeah, he was just very um, disrespectful. I have, I have a lot of respect for the man. He's just done so much. And the fact that he was directing and starring in this just, um, Really, it, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, that's that sounds like a pretty amazing experience. Uh, so so now you're you're currently in the Atlanta area. I am. I and am. Is that how you came across uh, Cobra Kai, or did your agent um, come to you with this role? Yeah, I, I I've gotten these through my agency. I have a great agency, and at the time, I don't think it was titled Eli's Mother. And so it was just for mother, but I wasn't entirely sure exactly that I would be Eli's mom, which was awesome um, finding out that later. But yeah, I found out through my agency and it was an interesting day because I had the audition and then I also had a hair appointment that day. So <laughs> I went straight for my hair appointment and I was feeling, you know, my best. And a friend of mine actually taped the audition and we got it in. And when I do an audition, what I try to do every time is to let go of expectations and just do the job and enjoy the process. And just like, this is, I'm going in to present myself or tape myself and just have fun in this process and then let it go and get on, go on with my day. Cause otherwise it'll drive you crazy. And you know, there are parts, I really wanted this part, but I just thought I did my best and I'm going to move on. So it wasn't too, it was, it was shortly, it wasn't that long after I auditioned for it that I got another avail check and uh, I think a few days later, it's like you're booked. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is great. You're playing Eli's mom. I thought, oh, wow, that's great. And so being on set was such a great group, such a fun group of people. Everybody was in a good mood. It was, I feel like the energy that carried over from the crew and the cast and the directors, Josh Yield was great just really translated into it translates into the show. It's just a feel good show. So our particular scene is very comical because it's the opening of episode five in season two. 
And um, is it okay if I share this? I don't want to be a spoiler for those who haven't. <laughs> I, I think by this point, everyone is up yeah. to date. I would say, yeah. Okay. Pretty safe to say. Yeah, I would say so because it's been out for a while. But it's it's a cute scene because I'm so concerned about my son getting bullied at school because of his his lip. He has a cleft lip, and so I'm concerned, and I want to talk to the principal, but. The mom, me, who is trying to be the best mom she can also doesn't realize that I'm totally embarrassing my child by calling the school and telling him, you know, telling the principal that this needs to stop. Can you make an announcement and and stop the bullying? I mean, I'm just making matters worse. But in my heart of hearts, I'm really trying to make to make the, the situation better. And it's a it's a cute and funny and comical and also dramatic scene because what Jacob brought with his just he's infuriated and upset he's like mom what are you doing I can't believe you just called the school and I just I'm at a loss um and then it cuts to him getting this huge (laughs) hawk tattoo on his back and then he has his hair I don't know if it's red or blue at the time completely mohawked out and um you know it was hilarious because we were getting ready to do the do the shot and um Jacob said, you know, what kind of mom would like actually let her kid get a big tattoo and hair like that? And I said, you know, that's a really good question. And not being a mom, but if I were to have a child, I would want them to feel open enough to that they could express themselves. And this is giving him confidence. So, hey, you know, if this helps you. But then there's a couple of little nuggets and a couple of other episodes where I know that I've looked at Johnny Lawrence's criminal record. I'm also following Aisha's Instagram stories. Yeah. So I'm keeping up on <laughs> what my son is doing. You know right, I mean? right. So, so it's just, you know, son, you go ahead and, you know, if that's what makes you happy, I want you to have that. But I'm also going to be checking you out to make sure you're not doing anything that would be, um, you know, delinquent behavior, which you find out in episode five that he totally does. But yeah, that it was, it was so much fun, so much fun to work on that playing his mom. Did you have to prepare in any way for that role? Uh, The reason I asked, because in season one, we actually get to see what happens after that phone call. So when I did prepare, I watched the particular episode where Hawk comes in and he's completely changed. And Mr. Lawrence is like, whoa, dude, shit lip or whatever. Yeah, right. I can't remember what. Yeah, I called him like shit lip or something. And well, that's why I call him too. Um, but you know, what's gotten into you and he comes in a completely transformed person and, you know, it calls him, he's like, your name isn't Eli. Now it's Hawk. I think that's how it happened. So yeah, I remember watching that and just laughing. I thought, Oh, okay. So this is where we're going with this. I see now <laughs> yeah. my son completely transformed. He doesn't want to be bullied anymore. So he takes matters into his own hands, but yeah, I did. I did prepare in that way. And also just uh, put myself in the mindset of, and what I try to do or what I do always is um, I take my own experiences and, and imagine what it would be like to actually be in a situation and prepare that way. Like what if, what if the, what ifs? like, what if this was really my son and how would I feel and how would I react? And Josh was great. Josh Yield was great directing because he was in video village. He's like, okay, Try it a different way. Let's try it concerned, intrigued, appalled, you know, different ways of, of dealing with, with how to, yeah, how, yeah d- different ways of reacting. Exactly. It was so much fun. 
Oh, wow. Uh, the, um, from your observations, how did Jacob prepare for that role? Because it's so emotional, and we've only seen like little bits of Eli being emotional, and this is full on, like, Mom, you're embarrassing me. The, the school's going to, you know, everyone at school's going to know, that, you know, this is me that we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What were your observations, how he got into that particular mindset? He is, he's just brilliant. It was fascinating to see him being able to jump in and out so quickly. And, you know, we did take after take and it was just every time he gave a hundred percent, it was so, it was just so refreshing to be able to work with him. And I, I don't know, I didn't ask how he got prepared for being able to get to that emotional level, but I would say I could see before we would, we would shoot, I'd see him sitting at the table and, and really concentrating and working himself up, um, which you should. You can't just, you know, you have to be able to get there. But after we would shoot that take, you know, he would, he's such a fun, jovial guy. So, you know, he'd be talking to everybody, he'd be talking to me, and then he'd talk to Josh, and then he kind of bounce around. He's like, okay, we're ready to do it again. So he can get serious really fast. It's just, he's incredibly talented. It was, it was, it was fun to watch his process, even though I don't exactly know what it was. It was, it was, I was definitely seeing him transform in a matter of minutes. You also mentioned, you know, you kind of drew from uh, past experience. Have you ever had a, a, I guess, a fight like this at all with anybody, like um, like a niece or nephew, someone young that you were able to kind of bring that from? Like a fight with a, a sibling or, or someone else? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about family members, my mom, especially, and my sister, because we're very close and knowing that you're trying to do the best for someone, but it really derails fast because it's not helping the situation and then miscommunication. And and yes, I always draw from my own experiences when, when I'm acting, because I feel like if you can draw from your own, it's much, much more believable. Um, Especially, yeah, with my sister where I know growing up, I'm the oldest. So whenever there was something going on that I would know about, because sometimes she would confide in me about friends at school or maybe she's something she shouldn't be doing. And so I would go tell my mom and like, and it wasn't to get her in trouble. It was more to just help the situation. She's like, I can't believe you just told mom. Now she's going to know everything. And and I'm like, but I'm just trying to help. You know, it sounds like you're having a rough time. And being the protective older sister, that's where I was coming from. But my little sister was just irate. So absolutely. <laughs> I completely relate with what was, how I can the parallel of my own experiences. And then also with this particular scene with, uh, with my son. Yeah, I, I can relate with you because I am to the, the oldest sibling of four. Uh, but I also have two teenagers that are pretty much Hawk's age. One is actually older than Hawk. And I've never had that fight, which I'm glad and thankful for. But um, uh-huh. th- th- there's been some, you know, parental discussions between, you know, a teenager and parent kind of deal. So I, I'm glad it hasn't gotten to that level uh, yet, question yeah. mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Right. Yeah, I am. And not having kids of my own, I think I can empathize. I nannied years and years ago. So um, just putting myself in the position of a parent and 
it's a hard job. I mean, I can, and I don't even have kids, but just let allowing them, you know, I kept thinking, allowing my son to be himself and identify with what he feels he needs to identify with in order to feel confident. I want to give him that freedom, but also I'm still mama bear. So I want to protect him and take care of him. Yeah. And that doesn't always go so well. And as you see in the scene, he's like, mom, what are you doing? This is, and I'm like, but, but I'm just trying to help you. So it's, it's, I can only imagine as a parent, how, how difficult, how challenging and, and rewarding that can, that can be. Yeah. Uh, so aside from like the, the directions that you were given by Josh, uh, what else uh, have you been told about your character or did you make up any kind of backstories? Because at this point we haven't seen a, you know, a Mr. Moskowitz. Right, right. He exists. I just, I figured um, I made up a Mr. Moskowitz in my, in my mind. And also it, um, Eli says, and see, I think it's the first episode of season two. He says, you know, my parents watch your Instagram page, Aisha. I think he's trying to hide the fact that he has a fake ID, which, right. which I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, I, I imagined a husband that I would have. And, um, and I also want to have the continuity of it as well. You know, yeah, um, right. if, if he's saying, if he's saying my parents, then, you know, that's plural. So I would definitely want to make sure I had a a husband that is in my backstory, but not necessarily that you see for sure. And, you know, I thought about just the different ways that Josh had directed me. Those were the kind of the ways that I had prepared because when I did the audition, my friend and I went over different ways of me, you know, like angry and then concerned and, and intrigued and, you know, all these different reactionary ways of, of portraying the character. And, you know, I thought to myself, any mom who calls the school, she's probably one of those helicopter moms. She's, she's going to be, she's out there to really protect her kid. And he's my only child. So, you know, I have a, I'm probably going to be, my, my attention isn't divided between two or two or three other children. So that can be annoying. And also the fact that he rebels later or wants to, he wants so much to be popular and liked because really that's what's going on. Um, that I also want to honor that because I don't want to lose the love of my child. So there's a little bit of selfishness in there too. You know, here's the freedom to do what you want. I am going to be checking your, your friend's IG stories, but I also don't want him too far from my reach. So yeah, there was a, there was some backstory and some, um, some homework that I did for myself in order to get to those places. Um, you mentioned uh, Sensei Lawrence's rap sheet now, have you ever thought of what might be on that that uh, Hawk's parents saw? Uh, and um, I'm not happy about it. Um, <laughs> I would say probably DUIs off the charts. Um, and that, if we were to have, you know, if I were <laughs> brought back for, you know, an episode, which would be amazing, it would be a fun scene for me to be going through that with uh, with my son. Just, yeah. are you sure, honey? Are you sure, honey? <laughs> you know, I, I worry about Mr. Lawrence's character. I, is he, is he, lots of questions. Is he drinking now? Should, should I call him and, and kind of like a repeat of before, like, should I call him and, and, you know, I think I'm going to call Mr. Lawrence and, and talk with him about it because, you know, these things are public and I can, I can't get this information. So I think I'm going to do that. And then Hawk, Eli completely freaking out. Like, mom, 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 you can't call the dojo. What are you doing? You can't call him. 
something like that. But yes, things that I would be definitely not okay. DUIs for sure. That would be hilarious. And, um, you know, you bringing that up makes me think about like, well, what if she's like, hey, well, honey, how about how about that Miyagi-Do place? I mean, he seems like a nice sensei, yes. you know, and, and it's free karate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, we, you know, your dad and I were looking at our, our bank statement and we put a lot of money into this. And I think, you know, I've heard great, exactly. I've heard great things about the Miyagi-Do. Oh my gosh, Peter, that is brilliant. Can you put that to, to Josh? <laughs> you know, I, I, That's I, amazing. I'll tweet out of it. I'll tweet out of it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so that, would be, that would be amazing. Uh, as we get ready to wrap up, uh, you, you've done a number of things. You are a self-taught uh, uh, makeup artist and you know you've done some theater and some film acting uh what are some advice uh mm -hmm. that you can give to people that are looking to get into either of those fields wow yeah i i would say it's funny that you mentioned this because i was thinking about this and in my head preparing for talking you know just talking with you i got excited again i think doing it because you love it in the moment that you start doing it for the money or for or a, you lose the zest. And if you want something badly enough, just having that passion, keeping that passion alive and always doing it. And when I'm not working on stage or on a film set, I'm in class and I'm constantly doing scene study. And I do it because I love it and I can't not do it. And I did take a break over the summer just to, to go to Portland <laughs> and to take some time off but I'm right back in it. And so just keeping it alive, always training, always learning. It's a business where you never stop learning. And so continually staying passionate about it. And the reason I do it is that I like connecting with others. And I think Jim Carrey says it best. He does it to free people from concern. And I feel the same way when, when a person walks into a theater or when I walk into a theater or I walk into uh, stage performance. I want to escape. Not only that, that person is escaping from the concerns that they have in their own world, but also relating in some way to those characters. So it's a gift. You know, I want to be, I want to think of my art and my craft, whether I'm doing makeup on clients and connecting with them, or if I'm on stage or on film, I want to be able to connect not only with who's in front of me, but also allow others to take that time to just escape and then also connect and learn something about themselves and be able to maybe have answers later that they can bring into their own life. So that's why I do it. Always have a why. That concludes my conversation with Caroline Granger. I want to thank her again for giving me the opportunity to speak with her and sharing her journey in becoming who she is today. I think I can speak for most of us where uh, I definitely want, would like to see her return in the character of Eli's mom and kind of explore that a little bit and learn a little bit more about Eli before he became Hawk. If you guys want to give her a follow on social media, I will definitely include the links in the show notes. So look out for that. If you guys want to follow us on Twitter, we can be found on Twitter at Cobra Kai Pod, on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. We're approaching the end of the year and we have at least a couple more episodes uh, scheduled to come out. And if time allows it, I'll edit and put those out. Uh, but expect an episode where I recap my family vacation down in California, where I got to meet John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg and a happy accident running into Mary Mauser and Julia Macchio at California Adventure. 
So stay tuned for those upcoming episodes. And I just want to thank everybody again for your guys' continued support and your interactions on social media. It really does mean a lot to me. I'll wrap it up for this episode. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Court Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.